You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by Aaron Keller. He's a husband, father, podcaster, lead pastor at Sunshine Open Bible Church, and the national director at Move Ministries. I recently became aware of Move, which is located right here in Des Moines. Did some digging, listened to a couple of their podcast episodes, which I'll link to, and I was very impressed just with the ministry, um, what it's doing to equip and empower men to serve and lead and take part in the kingdom work that God's really doing all over the world. So with that, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Is it uh, is it strange for you being a podcaster, uh, strange being the interviewee as opposed to the interviewer? It, it is, and I, I don't know if I'm going to give you quality answers or not because I'm an attentive listener and always eager to uh, go into the next question. So this will be, be an interesting change for me. Yeah, no, I think you're you're gonna do great. Yeah, we keep it keep it pretty light and organic, so we'll just let the spirit lead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bios are great and all, but you know, we call ourselves the uncommons. We try to do things a little differently, mm-hmm. shake it up a bit. So I'd actually like to kick off our conversation just by having you share what is one uncommon thing about you that most people don't know. Well, my wife and I, we've been married for 24 years now, and we have three special needs sons. And for us, that was that was a long adjustment in understanding how to function as a family, as a special needs family. And her and I went to Bible college as missions majors and graduated school as missions majors. And just we, we had expectations for our life. And then obviously God had different plans and we had to adjust. And there was many years of my life where it felt like I was kind of fighting, wrestling with God in, in my calling and understanding what he had for us. And also juggling what it's like to be, be a parent and learn how to be the best husband and father I could be in, in our family dynamic. And that's, that's probably really what makes our story unique is, um, you know, I, I have an amazing wife that's able to juggle everything that I, I do in ministry. She is great support and we have both of our parents are available to help with the kids when, uh, ministry calls and we have, we have things that we have to tend to. Yeah. Thanks for, for sharing that. And we'll definitely get into kind of the nitty gritty on marriage and parenting and just God's hand in, in yeah. all of those areas. So yeah, one of our, so we have six uncommon pillars and arguably the most important one uh, we refer to as fervent faith. So just that daily walk, uh, professing our faith in Jesus Christ, and then endeavoring to live lives of obedience and sharing his love with those around us. And so we, we of course, believe in the power of personal testimony. And so I'd even love to give you 
just the floor to to share with listeners like your brief testimony and how you came to know sure. Christ. Well, I I was told my congregation I, I was born on a Monday and I was in church that Sunday, <laughs> and my parents would tell you that I gave my life to Christ at the age of four, and I I actually would contend against that that you know I I didn't truly accept Christ as my savior until about the age of 17. And I had at a time where I was in the church, but you know, I was also playing around a lot outside of the church. And so I was living this double life and it was, it was about the age of 17 that, you know, God just kind of awakened me to the fact that I was a sinner and I, I needed him. And, you know, I, I'd always heard that all my life and I was I wouldn't call my upbringing as legalistic at all, but, you know, I, I do think there is a point in our walk with God where he is the God of my parents and then eventually he becomes my God. And so I, I think that awakening did occur at 17 and then I went off to Bible college shortly thereafter. But, you know, I had all the head knowledge, but it wasn't it wasn't connecting with my heart. And that's that's what all changed. My mom had pretty much was raised in a Christian home. My dad accepted Christ when he was 17 and he, he started coming to church because he was interested in my mom. And so it just, you know, obviously worked out, worked out for her because she actually committed to him before he accepted Christ, which uh, my dad would even tell her today is foolish, but um, she, she started dating him and then he started coming to church. And uh, since then, you know, he, he served on the Des Moines police department and he became a board member at the church when he was like 24 years old. So, I mean, he, he dove head first into, into his relationship with Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm a benefit of, of their dedication and walk with the Lord for sure. Yeah, certainly. As you, so as you reflect back on that, time in your life 17 years old what was like that main catalyst that kind of led to that conversion point for you i i think it was me realizing that the path i was headed down was not going to be good it was it was very destructive and you know the crowd that i hung around with um they you know they drank did drugs things that you know i'd heard all my life don't don't do that. Don't get involved in that. And the path that it leads down. And eventually I, I just decided to separate myself completely from it. And that's when I started really discovering who Christ was and, and why I, why I needed him. It, you know, there was always that this is right. This is wrong. If you, you know, if you lead a life of sin then you know, you're going to be walking away from Christ and you're going to find yourself, in hell. And I thought, you know what, I, I really need to discover what this is all about beyond just good and bad and what a relationship looks like. And that's when I started diving in. Awesome. Yeah. Our stories sound somewhat similar of just being raised in a Christian home and having that head knowledge, but still chasing after the things of this world. And yeah, it was for me, it was in college following a breakup and just kind of being disillusioned with all all the idolatry in my life and knowing that it was time for me to make that decision. And yeah, certainly didn't change everything all at mm-hmm. once. It was still sure. very much a process as it still is today, but sl- slowly but surely 
just seeing God, God work in my life and then bringing people around me. Cause that community aspect is, is so crucial just to hold you accountable and continue to yeah. screw you on. So very, very cool. So I'm curious, at what point did you feel called to be a pastor then? It was about that same age. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you being raised in the church, there was tons of youth conferences and camps and it's, it's something that clearly changed for me at a youth conference over the winter. What you, back in the day, you used to be able to leave school for a couple of days and, and do church conferences and the, the school gave it an excused absence and mm-hmm. that, that doesn't really occur anymore, but you know, at the time that's, that's what we were doing. And you know, for me, it was about going to the conference and uh, seeing any potential dating prospects and, <laughs> You know, it just the the services, the the services are a product of what they're focusing on, and they just accept that uh, you know, as teenagers coming together with other churches, that's that's kind of the bait. And so, you know, I I went and you know heard from God pretty clearly, and went on into Bible college, which the uh, the Bible college I went to was in Eugene, Oregon. So it was leaving, leaving my parents and, and everything behind, which was a, a huge departure from, you know, every comfort that I've had in my life. I'd never been away from my family. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it's like the Abraham call to go to a place. Yeah. And I'll show you <laughs> stepping out in faith. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you've been a pastor for how many years then? I graduated Bible college in 2002 and i became a youth pastor that year and i've been in ministry pretty much ever since i i I went into uh lead pastoring in 2007 okay i would love to know like what is one of the most difficult aspects of about being a pastor for you because it is a one of the highest callings and comes with a lot of commitments and challenges i'd love to know like what are one of what is one of those big challenges and kind of what keeps you persevering you know when you're exhausted or frustrated or just feeling down there has been probably a thousand different times i've said to my wife man i if i could do anything else (laughs) and it's it's just you know ministry is a grind uh you wear your heart on your sleeve and then you leave it vulnerable to getting cut all the time and um that is something that i've had to accept but you know life just it, it can beat you up. And the thing is all those times that I said that I, I wasn't serious. There's been a, there's been a few times where I've seriously considered leaving, leaving pastoring. And that's just because of challenging situations, but I always go back to, and I, I, I have to seek God in it. I always go back to that. I don't feel there's anything else he's called me to. And so I don't think I'd be happy doing anything else. And so it's me seeking him through each and every challenging situation and just constantly having open dialogue with my wife on what's going on here at the church and her being a great sounding board for me and that I, I remain consistent and balanced with my approach to ministry, not getting too high with the highs and too low with the lows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Staying even keeled. And yeah. Yeah. It sounds like your, your wife, um, is a huge source of strength and support and, and just guidance, which is, is super important. I'd even love to, yeah. Even just to ask you like about what that dynamic looks like. Um, yeah. Your marriage. 
Well, my wife wasn't raised in the church. Uh, she started coming to a youth group in a small town in Illinois because her brother wanted to join their basketball team. And so she just naturally started coming with him and gave her life to Christ probably around the age of 12 or 13. And eventually both her parents came to the church and accepted Christ. And her dad's actually a board member in the church to this day. And they're, they're pretty involved in the church, but you know, she went out, uh, it's, we're a part of the, we were a part of the same denomination at the time. And so she went out to the same Bible school and that's, that's where we met. But my wife growing up in a household that they, they didn't say, I love you to each other. They didn't hug each other. Um, it was interesting marrying into my family where we are huggers and we, you, you know, I daily tell her how much I love her and her having to adjust to that. But also at the same time, she was that even keeled person. She doesn't get very high with the highs or low with the lows. She's just consistent all the time. And so she really is that great calibration in my life where I can go to her and, you know, if, if it was a tough day and she's just always the voice of reason and always pointing me back to the Lord and where I tend to be a little wayward where I might pick up the phone immediately and call my dad and I might call someone else to just get advice. And she's just redirecting me always to go to God first. And hmm. it, I, I really mean it that I wouldn't be in ministry today if it wasn't for her. She just yeah. always spurs me on. She sounds like a very wise woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just steady, which is yeah, huge. And you said you guys just celebrated 24 years. Is that right? We did. We did. We got married at 19. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Uh, so we, we just celebrated 24 years. And uh, we, we always try and get out of town when we celebrate our anniversary. So this is about that time. But uh, we're, we're uh, gearing up for school and there's tons of ministry things going on. So we just decided it wasn't going to work this year. Okay. Save it for the uh, the twenty fifth year milestone. We are we are headed to the Mediterranean next year for go. our twenty fifth. So yeah, we're, just we're the two of you guys. Uh, we're actually we've we've got a friends group that we're all going on a cruise together, which is the first time we've ever done anything like that. Oh so, wow! So yeah, we're we're pretty geared up for that and saving our saving our cash flow. Yeah. Yep, that'll be worth the wait. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> What would you say is something, one of the most important lessons you've learned in your 24 years of marriage in regards to creating a strong God-honoring marriage partnership? Uh, pray daily with your spouse. It's something that is so valuable, but at the same time, for many years of our marriage, it was, it was easily ignored because, you know, we both had what we felt were healthy prayer lives and there was something I learned that when I choose to set apart time to just her and I pray together, that we're growing closer in the Lord together and we're, we're on this walk side by side. And it's been, it's been really cool to be a part of that and uh, see the way God's worked through us even greater once we decided to set apart that time each and every day to, to pray with each other. 
That's awesome. So you guys do that in the morning or the evening or evenings, evenings. I'm a morning person. She's not. So, so I'm trying not to fall asleep usually in the evening. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah we, we take that time to do it together. That's awesome. Yeah. I try to have a devotional time once a week with, with my wife. So it's actually on Thursday. So it'll be tonight and just spending some time in the word and some time in prayer. Our schedules aren't, you prioritize what's important, right? So mm-hmm. if prayer is important, like you're going to find time to do it. So that's even yeah. like a good challenge to me. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. I think even, no. even five, 10 minutes, even just that check-in at the end of the day and how can I be lifting you up? Like that just creates such deep uh, spiritual intimacy that really I, f- I find flows into the other areas mm-hmm. of your marriage as well. So I might be revealing a little too much about myself, this type a personality, but I mean, I believe we have to be intentional about these things. So, I mean, we schedule it out, you know, I mean, we have this routine and we know that, Hey, at this time, this is just what we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that started from a place where I knew that if we didn't intentionally do it, that we'd eventually drop the ball. Yep. And so, so we've just made sure that that is the priority uh, every night at nine thirty. Yeah, it's just a discipline, right? I mean, you yep. hear people schedule weekly dates. It's like how much more important is scheduling prayer time together, right? Mm-hmm. It's not on the calendar. It's not going to happen. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome to hear. Uh, switching up and, and even talking about parenting. So you have four kids, is that correct? Three boys and, and a girl. Yes. Yep. Okay. And the girl's the youngest. All right. What are their What are their ages and their names? My oldest is twenty one. His name's Josiah, and then I have a nineteen year old named Isaac. Gabriel is turning sixteen here this next week, and then okay. my daughter is fourteen years old, and her okay. name's Evangeline. Very cool. Yeah, what's uh, something that you feel like you have been learning lately as a as a dad? That they can connect me to God better than many sources. Um, you know, I I've got my youngest son. He's he's pretty deep in the Word for a fifteen year old kid, and and he he knows his stuff when it comes to the things of God. And I the the other day I was watching something on TV, and it, it had a bit of language in it. And he just went, dad, should you be watching that? I'm like, oh my goodness, Gabe, like you, <laughs> you have to do that to me. And all of a sudden I, I, I did feel convicted in my spirit. I'm like, no, no, I, I don't need to be watching this. And uh, at the same time, there's still a lot of innocence with all four of my kids that I can appreciate that just remind me of, of who God is on a daily basis. And I have learned over the years, some of the most important things that I can do as a father is admit when I'm wrong and say, I'm sorry and allow them to see that because I think that also points them to, to Christ who, who was perfect and how desperately I still need him on a daily basis. Yeah. Amen. That, that humility, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that story of, of your, you said that was Gabe that. Yeah. That's got to be a convicting moment, but also a proud moment as a dad because you're like, yeah, I, I raised him. I'm doing something right. But yeah, <laughs> point that out. <laughs> at, at first, you know, the the flesh wants to kick back and say, you're a little too young to be watching this. You can leave the room. But yeah. I sat there and thought, no, no, he's right. He's right. And so just shut off the TV. It was it was fine. That it was off. 
yeah yeah that's that's just an example of, of humility and mm-hmm. yeah i think as as parents like understanding there are things especially as our kids get older like like you said there are ways that we can learn from them and they can actually yeah. be examples and and demonstrate uh, a relationship with christ and what that can look like that's that's super mm-hmm. cool what would you say is like one of the ways that your faith has grown uh, most significantly as, because you're a, a dad? That God's in control of the future. Mm. I used to worry, be concerned about, you know, what would happen when, you know, my sons became adults and all those things and just constantly looking down the road and, understanding that you know what there are enough worries for today and that god's going to take care of each and everything and that i i don't need to look too far ahead and there it's reasonable to have goals and start having plans for the future but to not be concerned and just focus on the day-to-day and appreciate each day for for what it has and uh it's a it's a great piece that i have now by being able to do that and then just enjoy each and every moment that I do have with my family. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Just, yeah, I have to remind, be reminded of that as well. Just God's sovereignty and mm-hmm. the concerns that I have for my, that I have two boys, just the concern I have for their safety and their well being, and even, yeah. even my wife and, God is faithful to remind me. It's like, well, I, I love them infinitely more than you do. And I am, and I alone am the one who can actually provide for their needs and keep them safe. So that's it. That daily surrender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to talk about move ministries before yeah. we get to that. I even just want to, I love asking guests this question. And I think especially for you, like with all the commitments and responsibilities you have mm-hmm. in ministry and then with, with your family and then with, with move as well. But if, if Aaron had a day to himself, like, what are you doing? Are you going someplace? Like, are you alone? Are you with anybody? Like, what, what do you like to do to just recharge? If I'm going to recharge, I'm going to go hiking somewhere. Okay. And I'm going to get out in nature and I'd take my family if they wanted to go with me. But the bottom line is they don't. And None so, of them do. No, <laughs> gotta get no, a dog. So, yeah, yeah. And so it's it's me going out either by myself or here in a couple of weeks. The I'm I'm at an awesome church, and they they give me a two week sabbatical every six months. And oh, wow. so uh, my buddy and I we're going out to Glacier National Park here in a couple of oh, weeks, and man. that's the plan is just to go hiking. That's amazing. Have you been there before? I haven't. This is my first time going to Glacier. Oh boy. So. Yeah, I've, I've not been either, but that's like the pinnacle of, mm-hmm. of I'm excited for you. <laughs> uh, we we do dispersed camping. So that means it's, it's you know, there's, there's no amenities whatsoever. And uh, that's the goal. That's to be out there in the wilderness and just uh, take everything we basically need for each day. And uh, thank, thank goodness the wives aren't there because uh, they probably wouldn't enjoy the smell. I have a feeling, but you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's make, all right. Make sure you bring that bear spray and <laughs> mm-hmm. be safe. No, that's super exciting. Awesome. So yeah, let's talk about move. This is how uh, I got connected with you. And I think it was yeah. just seeing one of your guys posts on Facebook and 
then realizing this ministry was like right in my backyard and here in town and not knowing anything about it. But um, yeah, I'd love to love for you to. So basically a missions organization affiliated with Open Bible Church, Global Missions. Um, talk about like what your guys mission is. What do you guys do? What's on the horizon? Well, it's definitely evolved over time. The way that we do ministry now currently has been established since 1981. We we lead men's groups and men sign up from all over the U.S. and even some outside of the U.S. And we go to one of the countries that Open Bible has missions work in and we build some sort of structure that's used for ministry. And, you know, they start using men uh, just as the a, a dynamic that it was a men's leader that uh, it, was, it was a man that led the group and he just naturally started bringing men. And then eventually they saw the need to minister to men and it just started evolving from there to where now the way we approach the ministry is we're a men's ministry first that also just happens to build buildings for ministry. And okay. so what we do now is we do a project twice a year and we will go there and we will do that project to completion on one uh, trip. So getting ready for January of 2024, we're going to Thailand and we're building a church there. We'll arrive and it is a brick and mortar church. We'll arrive. There is a foundation and a slab already in place and we'll construct the building in about 11 and a half, 12 working days. And uh, then we'll dedicate the church and we'll go home. So you guys are getting after it. Cause that's a lot of work to yeah. do in, in a short window of time, right? Yeah, we have, we have one off day. And in that time, we're generally at the job site by 7 a.m. and finishing the day about 5 to 5.30, somewhere in there. And yeah. it's, it's hard work. And, but every day we start off our day with devotions and we end the night in devotions, too. And the, the evening service is more like a, like, like a typical church service um, where we'll, we'll, we'll have different guys take turns giving devotions, but we'll have worship. We'll have... We'll have like a prayer and if it's appropriate an altar time and it's just a good time with the guys. But I also believe that having a very tight structure where there's limited amount of downtime is actually beneficial for everyone because it keeps everyone focused. And I, there does need to be a couple hours of downtime, but I believe, I believe too much downtime allows guys to wander a little bit and, uh, that we we like a tight structure in our ministry for sure. Sure. Yeah, and I, I under, understand. So just on the website, it says Move operates with two purposes. So it says enhance missions and church ministries around the world by constructing churches and ministry buildings, thus mobilizing men in the body of Christ. And then, like you said, the second was minister to men and challenge them to be leaders in their homes and churches. And that really stuck out to me because I love the idea of using that experience and you're doing something hard, but you're also ministering and, and doing those devotionals in that worship. How have you seen or heard like a man who participates in one of your trips? How has that like elevated himself as a leader in his home? Well, I'll give an example. We've got a guy in our ministry from Spokane, Washington. His first trip with move was 2001 to Papua New Guinea. 
And he was one of those guys that he was going to church because of his wife and they were coming to church during the opening prayer and leaving during the closing prayer. You know, they, they were barely in the church, but he's a, he was a construction guy and he kept hearing about these move trips. And so he signed up for one. And there's something I believe about our ministry that because we bring men from all over the country and there, every trip has about 50% of our team has never been on one of our projects before. And so you're meeting a bunch of guys that you don't know. And you're also going to a location that you've probably never been to before. And what I find is you're very vulnerable in those moments. And so whether it's someone who's just got one foot in the door of the church or, you know, they've been serving the Lord all their life, I think there are some natural emotional things that you deal with. And because of the environment that you're in, um, you're going to hear Christ crucified. You're, you're going to hear about men confessing sin and challenges that men face on a daily basis. And then you're also vulnerable because you don't know many of those men and you've never been to this location before. You're away from your family. And so there's some natural emotional things that we deal with as men when we're away from our family. And that was, that was Steve's case. And Steve eventually went back to church, got more committed, started discussing with his pastor about how he could better serve the church, eventually became a board member in his church. And now he's on our leadership team today. Wow. And I, I look at those stories and we, we have tons of those stories. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all because that, you know, we don't change who we are as a ministry. We're, it's pretty well defined now. And so it really doesn't matter what, walk of life a guy has, we're, we're going to take them. And we know that there's not much they can do to affect our ministry and how we minister when we're on a project. And so our approach has been actually pretty loose when it comes to who we accept to go on a trip because we trust our leadership. And the, yeah, that's awesome to hear that story of just that radical transformation or just a guy who had no idea what God had in store for his life, but for whatever reason, just responded to that prompting mm -hmm. of God's spirit. And and sounds like, yeah, his life was turned upside down. It's super cool. So you, you kind of touched on that, that process. What does it look like? Let's say I'm a guy who hears about move and am interested in potentially joining, coming on one of your guys' trips. What does that look like to, to sign up and, and then get over there. Sure. Well, we have a, we have an application on our website and we list, we list all the upcoming projects. And right now there's only one future project listed. There's going to be another one here in about two months and you just apply and there's a list of references and I, I might call their references and find out the background of someone. And you do not have to be a part of open Bible to be a part of a move project. In fact, I'd say about half of our guys are from outside of our denomination. That's, that's not a problem for us at all. And so you apply and there's a, there's a process of which we just make sure we're, we're taking payments in and then we're getting basic information from the guys like they're getting their passports 
and uh, they're getting physicals done for whatever country that we're going to. And my basic form of communication with anyone who applies is email. I will reach out by phone initially, but uh, just keeping everyone up to date with what's going on until basically I buy plane tickets and then we start really ramping up the information on uh, what we're going to be doing on our project and letting guys know what they need to bring and what kind of figuring out what kind of skills they have, because you don't have to have a construction background to join us and okay. uh, figuring out what abilities they have that will best work on a project. Yeah. Is there, a, would you say there's a relatively wide range in age, even like vocational background? I'm even curious of like health and fitness. Is there a certain kind of criteria of like, you know, what you're looking for? Um. One of the very first projects I did, we had an 83-year-old on the trip and we had an 18-year-old. Uh, awesome. And all age ranges in between. Um, since I took over as director, I took over in 2019, our ministry has gotten younger. Most of the guys that joined our trip at the time were retirement age because you know you sign up for our trip to thailand it's 17 days mm -hmm. and you got a lot of young guys that say you know i really i really don't have the vacation time to give up for that and that's why we started doing a second project a year that's just an eight-day project but the the goal is was to just draw guys in for a once-in-a-lifetime trip and uh to to be able to just be used for the kingdom of god and work with their hands and so we don't have any requirements as far as skill level is concerned. Obviously, I want a doctor's approval in order for someone to go. Um, we, we have had some requests that would require needs too great. Um, I, I think about, you know, think about what a construction project might look like. And there was a guy that did sign up that was a paraplegic. And I'm just like, I, I think it'd be too challenging for us. And so I, I said, I will try and cater a project here in the future that you will be able to go oh, because wow. our, our heart is we do want everyone to have a chance to go. Mm -hmm. And we have had guys go that they need to sit down most of the day, but we've found things that they can do sitting down. Like we've, we have a lot of rebar cages that we build and we have, we have, made chairs for guys so that they can sit and they can actually tie rebar together and stuff. So um, we really make an effort of trying to get anyone who's just wanting to serve to be able to go and be a part of things. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Just a beautiful picture of the body of Christ and people in different walks of life and different skills and, and abilities, yeah. um, you know, being empowered to serve in whatever way that mm -hmm. they can. It's like, yeah, if a man has a desire to be used, it's like, that's a hard thing to say, thanks, but no thanks. So yeah, it's cool to hear the kind of the resourcefulness and the creative approaches that you take to making those accommodations. My, uh, my heart in ministry, the, I know the kingdom of God is multicultural, multi-generational. And so I want my ministries to look the same. And yeah. uh, that's, that's my heart that, you know, Hey, this next trip we got coming up, we've got a couple of 80 year old guys going and we also have a 17 year old going. So it, just everything in between. And I, I love to watch on the job site where these guys are building relationships, the younger and the older. It's just so cool to watch. I was just going to even touch on that because I can only imagine the types of conversations that happen when you have such a diverse and eclectic group of men. 
that they're mm -hmm. all like 30 year old construction backgrounds and just kind of cut from the same cloth. It's like, all right, we're all pretty similar, but just to yeah. have that diverse group, it's like, man, I learned so much about these guys that their lives just look so much differently than mine. And it's, mm -hmm. I love the Lord. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it, the, the neat thing is it, for, for a lot of these guys in initiating relationships, it starts on the job site because you might have a bunch of guys that don't have construction skills, but want to learn how to be used. And so there's the guys on the job site that have the construction background that can start instructing them in what they can do. And that's where the relationship just takes off from there. Usually to by day six or seven on the job site, these guys are sharing deep personal life stuff. And it's just, it's cool to witness. It really yeah. is. Yeah. That's something we strive for, even in the experiences we design of, of just putting men in kind of uncomfortable, challenging circumstances where no one's really an expert and we're all kind of, we're on an even playing field and having to learn and we're uncomfortable together. You're kind of like in the foxhole together. And then that yeah. tears down like the facades and, just the concern for how you're coming across. And it, I think it really just fosters rapport really quickly. And then you mm -hmm. can be authentic and just be like, all right, I'm just going to bear my soul. And I'm not really worried of being rejected because we've already, we're just suffering together. And, mm -hmm. whole thing. <laughs> and I, I would never compare what we do to serving in the military, but there is a, sense of accomplishment that when you join together with a bunch of guys that you don't know by the end of it. And as you said, suffer together, you know, we've had some really difficult projects where they do look at each other by the end of the trip as a, a band of brothers and they stay connected. And these guys do attend each other's weddings. And uh, when a family member dies, there are, there are move guys that show up for the funeral and it's just a really cool connection that's formed by by guys that never knew each other before they joined on a trip yeah super cool i, would, I wanted to ask is there much interaction with like the local people there and do you guys have time to i don't know if you'd say like evangelize or kind of what is what does that look like i'm sure a lot of it happens naturally just through the mm -hmm. course of your your time there yeah um most of the places we travel to we're quite a spectacle imagine <laughs> Imagine 64 Americans showing up in Thailand here in January. It's going to be uh, it's going to be quite the sight to see. You can imagine how people just show up to watch what's going on, because in a lot of these countries, Americans don't show up to work. And yet that's why we're showing up. We're showing up there to work. And we always encourage the local church that we're serving to have people join us and work alongside us. And, you know, a lot of our guys, they might not be able to speak the language, but they find other ways to communicate and work beside the local people. And something that we seek to do is do some sort of evangelism everywhere we go. We were just in St. Vincent and the Grenadines here in January, and we went to a local boys home. We ministered at a prison, and then we ministered at three different churches and uh, uh, just a surrounding community of one of those churches. And it varies by every place we go to. Um, we're getting ready to go to Thailand and the most natural ministry that we can do there, you know, Christianity only represents 1.4% of the country. 
one of the ways we're going to minister is there's a lot of Burmese immigrants in the area that we're going to. And so they need, they need medical supplies. They need clothes. You know, they just, they just need loved on. And we said, Hey, we're going to respect how the church is already ministering to them. We just want to help in any way we can. And so we'll have, we'll have a few guys that break off during the day to serve in that capacity. That's awesome. It's just multifaceted approach. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's, that's key of just having that relationship with some of the local leaders there and really having those conversations. Like what is, what is going to be of the most value to, to you guys? Mm-hmm. We, we don't go anywhere and help a ministry startup. So if there's not already an established ministry there, we don't really participate in it. We, we only help established ministries that we know are going to be in it for the long haul. So like if someone said, well, I'm planning a church in this area, I'm going to say, you know what, let's watch that church build up. And uh, let's, let's see you minister in that area. And then, you know, if you guys are renting a facility or leasing or whatever, we'll come and build you a church building eventually. And so it's really important for us to serve alongside people that do have established ministries. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Well, as we bring our conversation to a close, is there anything else that you want the listeners to know about move? What are some of the best ways for them to get involved and, and just continue learning, partnering with you guys? Well, even though I'm centered out of Des Moines, you don't, you don't have to be anywhere in the area to join move on a trip. And again, I, I want to emphasize that even though we're a part of open Bible churches as a denomination, we're, we're open to just anyone joining us on a project. And we serve everywhere where open Bible is, uh, is ministering. So that's right now that's 48 countries and it might vary where we go. Like we're going to Thailand soon. We're going to be going uh, back to Tijuana, Mexico for our eight day project. And then we're going to be also going to Nicaragua and we have future potential projects in Japan, um, in uh, Guinea, West Africa. There there's quite a few places that we have on the horizon and um, this is our primary focus is building outside of the U.S. And the, the reason for that is, is because we do believe in that vulnerability aspect of having men join us and uh, just be open to what God can do in, in our lives. Yeah, for sure. And just, yeah, having them be exposed to places that are so different than what we're accustomed to mm-hmm. and different cultures and the struggles even of our fellow brothers and sisters around the world is, yeah. I haven't been on a mission trip for probably six or so years since going to Haiti. So yeah. I might have to uh, look into joining you guys in the near future. That'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So we, the way we structure our trips, our eight day projects are always going to be in the fall, usually the month of October. And then our 16 to 17 day projects are always into January, beginning of February. And uh, one of one of the guys core tenants is believing that we have to be back by Valentine's Day. So we will have you back by Valentine's (laughs) Day. (laughs) Well, I can't think of anything better than getting out of Des Moines, Iowa in February. So (laughs) that's it, man. I you know, I'm I'm so thankful for the support system around me because 
by the time January hits, I am just ready to get into a warm climate. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we always manage to be in a warm climate. Um, it's yeah. it's a tragic. It's really. not it's not a holiday on the beach, but it's it's worthwhile. No. Yep. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well any Aaron any kind of parting uh, thoughts from you or even a question that you'd want to leave with with listeners well I just Ryan I want to thank you for your your focus in what I think is a big untapped ministry of the church is just drawing drawing men back in particularly uh that is a big focus of mine because I, I think it's the Barna group that put the information out there that when the husband of the family is serving Christ and he's in the church, then usually 93% of the family follows in serving Christ. And yet at the same time, I think amongst American evangelicals, the church only re is represented by 37% men. And so we've we've seen over the past few decades, men really take a back seat in the church. And so our emphasis is just on ministering to guys. And we believe that um, God is calling men to step up and be leaders in their churches, be leaders in their households. And uh, that's my heart. That is my passion. And I just encourage men that if you aren't finding ways to serve your church, really seek God's heart and how he would want you to best serve your church and go to your pastor and say, not, not, Hey, I want to do this for you, but say, Hey, what do you need? Yep. And uh, that would be so valuable for your local ministry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, just a great question to start with is not making it about myself, but what does the body need? And yeah, I find it is, it's a high calling that we have as, as men, as husbands and fathers, um, it's one that I know I'm certainly not capable of, of doing well in my own wisdom and strength. And it certainly helps me to have community around me. So that would be my encouragement to any, any man listening to this, who is, is trying to honor God with his life is you need to do it with brothers, whether that's yep. going on a mission trip or Bible study, whatever it looks like, get, get a band of brothers or around you and don't go this alone. So that's it. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the show, for sharing a little bit about you as a, as a person and, and what you're doing as a, as a pastor and with Move. Like, I'm super excited for you guys uh, just in the present and in the future, and hopefully I can, can join you someday. That'd be awesome. And I just encourage guys, if they're curious, you know, we have a YouTube channel, Move Ministries, and there's a lot of project videos out there and there's some uh, highlights of upcoming trips. And it's just, it helps you better understand the ministry and uh, what we have going on. Yeah. And they can also listen to your podcast where you interview a lot of men that have participated in mm -hmm. these trips and you get to hear firsthand the the good, the bad, the ugly, but everything yeah. everything that glorified God from them just taking that step of faith. So I've really enjoyed listening to the stories. Awesome. I appreciate you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com where you can learn more about our mission sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.